Welcome to A Better Way podcast, dedicated to mompreneurs who want to do good and feel good at work, at home, and in life. We're your hosts, Courtney and Danielle, and we get the challenges you're facing because we're living them too. We'll share tangible tips we've learned along the way to help make your life a little easier and we hope a lot more fun. We'll also chat with other moms who are making it happen so we can learn from one another because together we can find a better way. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of A Better Way podcast. You're joined by both Courtney and Danielle today. Hey there. And I am super excited because today I have Danielle in the hot seat. Um, I know you guys probably saw on an earlier episode a few weeks back, Danielle interviewed me, but today I get to interview Danielle and I'm really, really excited for all of our listeners to get to know her better because she is a dear friend of mine and someone I look up to professionally as well. Um, And I think that we've got a lot of uh, interesting snippets of Danielle's story to share with you today. So Danielle, welcome. Thanks for being my guest on this, this episode of the podcast. Um, so Danielle, some people may know a little bit about your story. I feel like we've shared like little pieces here and there as we've gotten to know our listeners, um, over the last few months, but I kind of want to just give the stage to you for a minute and just let people know a little bit about you, where you're from, what your career has been like up until this point. Um, I've seen a transformation, but um, I want to kind of get, let people um, understand the foundation and let you set the stage a little bit before I start drilling you with questions. Yay. All right. Thanks. So where to start? So I grew up in um, the Boston area, so suburbs of Boston, went to college uh, about 20 minutes away from home, which I thought was super far at that at the time, uh, at a school called Endicott College, where I met Courtney, and um, studied hospitality, actually. And uh, it's interesting, I was just thinking about this this morning, how a lot of the career decisions I've made have been influenced by money. Um, so Mm. definitely grew up like in a middle-class family, like had everything I needed, but not everything I wanted, helped pay for my own college, um, and, and went to grad school in my twenties. Um, and when, when I graduated to back up, when I graduated from undergrad, the reason I talk about money is because, um, I had a hospitality degree, got, went on an interview for a, you know, entry-level hospitality job at a hotel uh, after college and realized that uh, the pay would be about 20 grand per year uh, mm-hmm. and was really shocked. I guess I should have done that research before picking careers, but was really shocked and decided like, this is not something that I can do. I don't, I have to pay back student loans. I have rent. You know, I, I did not desire to move back in with my parents after college, um, as lovely as they are. Uh, and, and so I realized like hospitality was not something I was going to go into because I just felt like I couldn't afford to really. Um, and so went into my early career was all in, um, higher ed. So I worked for Harvard business school. I helped plan the logistics of their continuing ed programs for professionals. Uh, and then decided I, you know, 
I I liked that job. It was an awesome first job because there was lots of people my age that were also in their first jobs and we would go out all the time after work and it was a lot of fun. Um, So love, love, loved that experience, Um, but realized like I wanted more for my career. And so started studying for the GMAT, took the GMAT, went to business school full time, but worked part time. Uh, And while I was in business school, I worked for a public school district, um, helping them with their substitute teacher program. So they brought software in to... um, to help manage that program. So it was a really large district and they needed somebody to, to sort of be the administrator for that software and make sure it ran smoothly every morning. So I would go in to work like 6.30 in the morning, figure out who, which teachers were gonna be absent, make sure it was all put into the system correctly and make sure subs were called and, and fulfilled for the day. And then I would leave, go to school, you know, go to my MBA classes, et cetera. Uh, so when I was done with my MBA, I decided to go, I, I was really altruistic. I was like, I really want to help the world. I don't want to go into corporate America. I want to work in nonprofit. And so I decided development was something I'd be interested in. I was always interested in sales-ish and said, you know, fundraising, sales, sort of same thing. Um, worked for a charter school in Boston. Uh, I became, went from assistant director to director. Um, but all that really meant was it didn't mean very much because I had no one underneath me. So I was doing like all of the fundraising and marketing activities for the entire school, which was a ton because we would write grants to the, we would do everything from writing grants to the state to, um, writing the newsletter that went out to parents, uh, and planning the the annual event. So it was a lot, a lot of work. And I I did that job for almost three years and went to my executive director at one point and said, hey, I want a percentage of what I'm bringing in for fundraising. Like, I feel like I've done really well and I need a raise. I think I was making like 60 grand at the time. And, you know, I had an MBA and I had expenses. And again, like student loans, rent, all these things, um, was still single and sort of living in the city on my own. And it was not received well. And that's like a complete understatement. Um, the fact that I would ask for a percentage of this money we were fundraising, um, did not sit well with them. They were like, you know, you should care about the impact. Um, and I did sincerely, but I also cared about creating wealth for myself and, and get and not, I mean, in Boston, 60 grand is not a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. and especially with student loans from both undergrad and grad school. Mm-hmm. So I, I just realized I was in the wrong place. I was like, this isn't the right fit for me. Um, I, like my personality doesn't fit. I want it, like, I wanted to go, go, go. And I was always being told to slow down. And so decided that I wanted to get into sales And when I say that this was like a huge decision, that it was a huge decision. Um, I had always worked in nonprofit in my professional career. So I don't want to say that like there wasn't a lot of pressure, but it was just a, it's a very different type of environment. Um, And so I was super nervous about going to the corporate world. I didn't think I'd be able to cut it. I had all these self-doubt thoughts and, um, and really just, like did informational interviews. So I talked to other people who were in sales. I tried to find people who went from nonprofit to sales, corporate sales, and 
ultimately um, had a friend that I went to college with who was now a man, a sales manager. And he was like, I'll give you a shot on our team, gave me a shot. And I sort of just developed from there um, and, and moved from consulting sales to software sales. And then still I'm in software sales today um, alongside my passion project. Uh, so that's, that's really where my path and like I said, now that I'm thinking about it and I was thinking about it this morning, it's really been driven by money for a lot of it in just the sense that I wanted to, I don't know, I, I don't want to say like, I want to say um, like break the poverty cycle, but that's not really what it is. It's more just that like wanted to break the middle class cycle, right? Like I wanted to have the life that I wanted, be able to travel um, not worry about money, essentially just not worry about money. Yeah. I, really I was going to say there's like peace of mind. And then there's also like freedom and options that come with money. So yes, uh, money can't buy happiness, but it can simplify a lot, of, a lot of other parts of your life to free up some of that, what could be filled by stress and anxiety um, with, you know, a better use of your energy um, and your mental capacity. But I want to jump in a little bit to like, you know, a pivot that you're in the process of making, um, and doing so successfully. But first, I just want to call it two things that I think were really interesting about your story. Um, well, one, just personally, like I've known you for over 15 years now since we met in college, which is kind of crazy. And I'm kind of dating us by saying that, but I've even forgotten about parts of your story. And it's so funny how um, I think, you know, pe- we think about what other people are judging us by or viewing us by, or that they're keeping tabs on us. But I mean, I talk to you regularly. I remember like getting dinner with you once a week when we were in these jobs. And um, it's just amazing how time evolves and your perception of someone and their, you know, career or um, their family evolves. And so that leads into kind of my next point where you had said, you know, I'm not sure I could cut it in the corporate world because um, if anyone knows Danielle in real life, I've always thought of Danielle as she is confident, she is quick, she is put together, she has the personality of a what I would call like this is such a dated term, but like businesswoman or someone in corporate space, and she's outgoing and is that go, go, go. And so it's funny how we can have our own internal thoughts about ourselves, but from the outside, I absolutely think Danielle, um, you know, if there were someone within my social circle or my school circle that would succeed in that space, I absolutely think Danielle is that person. I think that's why you have been successful in sales. But why I want to call that out is both because I think that's something we struggle with, but also you're now making a change. So I have seen you go through the transformation of becoming a mom and wanting to build a family with more freedom and time. And you've kind of taken matters into your own hands and you're building this business that's going to allow you to do so. But you're also doing it with a much softer side than I've ever seen you before. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a product of, you know, probably your years of go, go, go. So can you talk a little bit about what led to this kind of point where you're like, that's it, I'm going to make this happen and why you're choosing to do specifically what you're doing now? Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably a little more related to like my go, go, go and ambition than you give it credit for necessarily. But, um, but I do want to point out something that you said, you said that, you know, money can't, it can't buy happiness and that's not the point, but it gives you freedom. And the only reason that I'm, that I have the freedom to pursue something different now is because I have a good salary in sales. Mm -hmm. If I were still a nonprofit and I were still struggling to make ends meet, I would not be able to put money towards 
um, trying to build my own business. So it's all about sort of what you want in your path and how you how you figure that out. But at the end of the day, like I, I and I mentioned that because I think a lot of business advice sometimes about starting your business is fluffy. It's like, just do it and like, just start. But it's like, hey, you're not going to make money in the beginning. Right. And like, if you have, if you have to, like you need to figure that out. Um, so, so sorry, total aside, but wanted to mention that. Um, the pivot to now. Um, so... I think being a mom does change you. Uh, I joked with one of my friends who is also in software sales. We used to work at HubSpot together. Um, She lives in the same town as me now, has a little boy. Uh, And when she was pregnant, at the end of her pregnancy, I remember going over and I don't know, maybe I was bringing a gift or something. I can't remember the reason I was over, but we were chatting and I said, you know, I feel like I've lost my edge a little bit. Um, And it's true, like, Sales is a very aggressive career um, and and you have to really care, right? Like not necessarily about what you're selling, but about making the sale. And, um, and I don't know. I don't want to say I don't care as much anymore. I don't feel like that's it. I just feel like I don't put as much weight into it because I'm, you know, I'm thinking, I want my kid to be healthy and happy. And, um, you know, if I put that against the urgency of the sale coming in before the end of the quarter, I just feel like those two things are out of whack. Like there's no world in which I'm going to put those two things on the same Mm -hmm. level. And you almost have to have that level of urgency in sales. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I feel very differently about my career now. And so that was part of the reason that I wanted to make a pivot. And I would say the other reason is that once becoming a mom, I realized like, holy crap, this job is super hard. Like moms are literal super women and I don't know how we do it. And I will pat us on the back right now because we do I am everything. Too. <laughs> yes, we do everything. And I had this strong desire to help moms. I was like, and in what I do. So what I originally thought was, oh, hey, I'll become a health coach and I'll help moms get healthy after having children. And because that was important to me um, at the time when I was you know, going back, uh, I just realized that so much changes when you become a mom. And so the ways that you stay healthy have to be very different. You have to have different systems, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But then my son got older and I realized like picky eating is literally my, the bane of my existence. And if other moms are dealing with this, like we have to band together and help each other. Um, And so that's where I sort of pivoted this year and, and wanting to help moms with picky eaters, because I just think it is the most frustrating problem that you can ever have as a mother. I, I may be biased, but I truly feel like it is just exhausting having a picky eater. And I just, I just feel really compelled to help. I love it. Danielle's, um, healing the world one picky eater at a time, but you know, you're doing all of this while you're still juggling your sales job. And so 
and you're doing a lot. Like I, I can see behind the scenes how much you're putting into both and then also take looking to take care of yourself and take care of your family. So can you talk a little bit about what that journey has been like? Because I think a lot of people can relate. Like it's easy to start a business idea, but it's a lot harder to sustain it, especially when you're juggling a full-time job. So what has that looked like for you and what advice would you have for other people? So my advice is very similar to my advice about picky eaters. Uh, there's a, there's a huge parallel here. Um, I posted an Instagram about a week ago or two weeks ago now where I said, um, if exposing your kid to new foods doesn't make you feel crazy, like if you're not just doing it over and over and over again with no results, um, you're not doing it right. And I feel like my advice in business is the same thing. Because some days I feel like, what am I doing? Like I'm posting another Instagram. No one cares. No one's commenting. And I'm just like continuing to do this, even though I'm not getting, you know, people reaching out and asking me for help or whatever, sales of my course or whatever. And so... (laughs) You just have to keep doing it, even though some days you feel crazy. And it's the same thing with picky eating. It's like, okay, I try to get my kid to eat broccoli and I've exposed him to it 15 times and he's never eaten it, but I'm just going to keep putting it on his plate and it makes you feel crazy. But the day, one day your kid will eat that broccoli and one day I will get a sale or I will get the client I want. Right. Um, And you just have to really believe that it's, it's really a mindset thing, I think, Mm -hmm. um, just continuing. But I mean, listen, I'm telling you my advice. I'm not telling you the way I feel every day. Some days I'm like, <laughs> screw this. This isn't working. I need to pivot. I need to do something different um, if I'm going to build a business. And I mean, I will have to get to that point, right? Like if you're doing something for one or two years and it's still not working, um, you should either get professional help from a coach or a consultant or, you know, say to yourself like, hey, this there's something about this that isn't working. Like I need to make a change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, so, you know, you've talked a little bit about the transition and um, you want to talk a little bit about your why, because I also think that you're, you've talked a little bit about your why as it relates to the change, but what about tapping into your why to keep you going on those days that are hard? Like, what do you do to keep getting up and being like, I'm going to post that Instagram post. I'm going to talk about, you know, the services that I offer. And it is working. Like you, we just chatted at the beginning of this, like you just got a few more sales for your course, which is super exciting. But like, can you talk about like, what are those, what do you have to do to motivate yourself to keep going and to stay positive aside from just, you know, saying it's going to work, it's going to happen. I think part of it is dealing with my son Um, so if he becomes not a picky eater, I don't know what to say to you guys, um, because that's part of my motivation, but that's a Um, great thing. A point that's like get staying close to your ideal customer, like being able to actually relate to them and identify with them and you're channeling your everyday life into everything that you do in your business. Yeah. And so like, I'll be honest with you. There are nights that I'm at dinner and I just cry because I'm trying so hard to get him to eat and he just doesn't care. Um, he's also like a lot of this stuff is like behavior stuff too. Like he's two, he's testing boundaries, whatever. So like, there's a lot that goes into it, but dinner time is like my least favorite time of the day because, and, and for the most part, I've changed that. Right. But I still have days where it's terrible, but, um, 
dealing with him and like keeping my cool and then like having a win. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of something that happened recently. Oh, recently. So for an example, for example, he wanted a popsicle before dinner and we said no. And he was just like screaming, screaming and whining by the freezer. I want a popsicle. I want a popsicle. I want a popsicle. And we, his dinner was on, was on the uh, table and he was just ignoring it. And so we put him in a timeout for a minute and he came back and he sat at the table and ate his dinner. And I thought I just died and gone to heaven (laughs) because I like, he doesn't always do that. And, and so, and part of the picky eating thing is like realizing that you don't have control. Like I don't have control over what he puts in his mouth and I'm not going to force feed him because that would be crazy. So even though I want to sometimes, um, so like, I just have to take a back seat. I offer healthy food. He chooses what he eats. And that is the most frustrating concept in the world in my mind, but it works because when I pressure him, it just makes the whole situation worse. So I guess what I'm saying is like the fact that I deal with a picky eater on an everyday basis gives me tons and tons of motivation and content to share with other moms. And when people reach out to me and they say, oh my gosh, my son does the same thing. Um, this is my life, whatever. I just keep going because I'm like, other people need this. Like there are other people that have the same problem as I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, this is kind of a, a random question, but this is something we talked about um, a few weeks back is now that you're working with moms and you've been very clear that you're specifically working with moms, not dads. Like you could work with moms and dads, but you're working with moms and it's because you relate with them. Do you notice any difference um, I've worked predominantly in like female dominated teams in the past, but sales is a very male dominated field. Do you notice any difference between working with your male counterparts in sales, which I know is a generalization. I'm making a generalization right now. And then Hmm. working with moms, um, because I can assume that you have to show up as a different person in both roles. Um, And I'm just interested in kind of how you take those hats off and put them back on for everything you're juggling. Yeah. Um, So if there's any moms out there who feel like they're like, you know, not made for the corporate world and they're like a little rough around the edges and swear at work and like want to tell people like it is, then you should definitely be in sales uh, because all that stuff flies. (laughs) Even when you're a woman, you know, there's that stereotype that like a woman has to act like a lady at work, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 or else she'll be called a B-I-C-T-H, B-I-T-C-H. You spelled it right. I did. Okay. Okay. And that's so not true in sales. You can be whoever you want to be. You can be a complete bulldog and people will be, will respect you and, and whatever. Um, at least in the environments I've been in. Um, so yes, like I definitely have to, uh, be more polished, I would say in this world because, and I'm trying, I'm trying to actually strike the balance because I think that's really hard for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and some of my personality gets lost because I'm not being that way. Um, so I'm trying to strike the balance of like, here's who I really am, because I do think that a lot of the picky eating courses out there, um, and like picky eating help, it's like, dietitians and they are very scientific and they also feel like moms have like, 
I don't know, an hour every day to dedicate <laughs> to this problem. And like, I don't have that time. And I think I'm pretty sure other moms don't either. And so like, I want my tips and like my help and my course to be things for moms who just don't have a, don't, don't have all day to do this. Like, I don't know, one of the programs I've taken, um, I've taken pretty much all the programs out there. And one of them was about, um, about food play. So it was talking about how pick a food and like incorporate that food into meals and, um, and, and into play all week. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But like my son goes to school and like, I don't have time to do like messy play activities when he gets home. And also like, I'd have to plan out these dinners so that like the food is incorporated. And it's just like, I get it. I get why it's important, but like moms that are busy need other options. And so (laughs) I do want my personality to come out a little bit more and I have to figure out a way to do that authentically and still not. And maybe it's just doing it authentically. I don't know. I'm still working on that. I would say. Um, but, but I do, one of the things, um, I feel like also that's in, in a male dominated environment is like, no one cares what you wear. Right. Like I often, I was getting rid of a pair of pants recently and I offered them to my friend because I feel like we're the same size. And she said, Oh, you're getting rid of your work clothes. And I was like, my work clothes, (laughs) I dress, I pretty much like when I was going to the office, I would wear like leggings and a sweatshirt. Like I, you do not have to dress up or impress anyone. You impress people by making sales, not by what you look like or how you talk. And, um, and so, and it's sort of like sales trumps everything. That's like what a lot of people would say. It's like, if you're make, if you're a high performer, I mean, I'm not talking things, do things, doing things illegally, but like you can pretty much do anything, right? Like you can, you can dress however you want, whatever. Um, is sort of what I'm talking about. And so I do think like online, like I'm definitely not the content creator that shows up with full face of makeup and hair done. Like I show up as myself in that realm. I'm always wearing, um, leggings and, uh, and like workout attire, sweatshirts, whatever. So I feel like I'm authentic in that way. Um, but I do need to work on being a little bit more authentic, uh, with my personality. You have a great personality. And when I think it, you know, I think you're the friend that everybody needs, especially these moms with the picky eaters is like, you are just going to like tell it the way you see it and you can just like commiserate with them, but then also put a plan of action together to be like, okay, how do we dig ourselves out of this? Um, Mm -hmm. but I have to say you're actually an inspiration with stories. Um, because I do feel like you show up like authentically and it's like, oh, I have a minute and, or I had like, I'm going to call it like a shower thought like that, you know, how you always get all your brilliant ideas in the shower. And you're like, I'm going to share it with people right now. And I feel like so often that there can be intimidation, especially in the online space of like, well, I'll share it once I shower and do my hair and makeup, but let's be real. If you're a mom that you, that might be in four days and then that shower thought is gone. And I really like that you, it is very clear when you're showing up on Instagram and in your stories that like something happened in your day or you have something genuine that it's going to be a value to other people that you can't wait to share with moms right now because they need to hear it. And so I think that you're a really good example of that. And you're someone who comes into mind a lot when I'm creating or have an idea. I'm like, oh yeah, well, 
if Danielle can do it, then I can do it too. She, she's rocking it there. Um, yeah, but I would just like to say that Courtney doesn't go to the grocery store without a full face of makeup and her hair. That's true. Well, no, (laughs) but that's authentic to you, but that's authentic to you. Yes. And that's the hair done, the hair done, not anymore, but Danielle's right. I don't think, I think there's like probably four times in our like 15 years that we've been friends where I was the girl that like Danielle and I would run a marathon and I would do my makeup for a marathon. (laughs) Yeah. She would do her makeup before a marathon. I would roll out of bed. (laughs) Well, there's race photos. And I mean, it was a lighter version, but I put on some, a little bit of blush and yeah. Um, mascara, but so you talked a little bit about like, one of the things you're working on is showing up authentically, which I think you do do, but I agree that like, you have such a fun personality. It's funny. My husband, Josh always comments about how, when I told him I was starting a podcast with Danielle, he was like, that is a podcast I will listen to. I love Danielle and her personality. Um, so I think that you have so much to share with people in that regard, but beyond that being something that you're working on, is there anything else that you feel like has been a struggle or that you're struggling with now? I think one of the things you and I have talked about, and we've both made progress with in our businesses is like, it can be really scary for our spouses as we start embarking on entrepreneurship and building a business. Um, it sounds like you've navigated that really well. I'm wondering if like, there's anything in that regards or, um, any other areas of business that you're like, oh, I wish I could just make a breakthrough in this area? Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like when you're married, you sort of have to make decisions together, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) And um, like my personality is very much like, go, 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 just do it. And so there's probably a world in which I would have quit my job and just done this, but I think that would have been a mistake. I think it would have put too much pressure on the situation and, um, and all that. But yeah, I mean, ultimately my husband has encouraged me to stay at my job and pursue this on the side, which I do think is the right, um, the right path. Um, because then I can show up and create programs that are authentic and not based on like me having to make money and being under the gun. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, which there's something to be said for, but the end of the day, like, you know, at 37 years old with kids and husband and house, like you sort of have to make good, um, responsible decisions. Um, and then I would say like the only other thing that I definitely struggle with is because I'm coming from such a different industry, I, I, have like mindset issues, right? Like, I'm like, what do I really have to offer? Do you know, will I feel very protective of moms because I am one, right? Like we have very little time, very little money sometimes, right? Um, Because of daycare and like all of the commitments. And I want, if a mom invests in a program of mine, I want them to get a return and be Mm -hmm. happy with it. And so I worry that you know, they're not going to be happy and, or they're going to feel like they wasted their money and, or their time. And so I'm super like in my head about that and not focused on the fact that I do have real value to offer. Um, I'm getting better, but definitely still stuck in that mindset of like, do I have value? What is my value? Like, what should I be charging? Like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a good point. And I, every single person I talk to struggles with the same thing. It doesn't matter how successful you are. And I do, do just want to call it because so much of what, you know, 
Danielle and I have been talking about here is like Instagram and social media. And that's only one aspect of business. Like there's so many other channels to reach your audience, but um, social media, it's really easy to think that everyone else is ahead of you or everyone else is more mm. successful than you. And it is like a mind. I'm not going to use that word. It really screws with your mind. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know. Do they, do they censor podcasts? I can probably mm. say it because it's our podcast. We didn't censor it. Right. Anyways, sorry, listeners, totally going through the motions um, out loud, but um, it really does screw with you mentally. And so I feel like that is an, not an inevitable, but that's something that's so common. And I think one of the ways that I've overcome it is by chatting with other people. And the more that I can have one-on-one -on -one conversations with people or conversations with people in smaller groups, it reinforces that I do actually have knowledge and expertise. Um, and that, that gives me like a boost that I need to keep on going. And so have you found any groups or communities or people aside from, you know, the community of this podcast that have been really helpful in you moving through those mindset shifts? Um, yeah. So obviously like you and I reconnect, not reconnected, mm -hmm. but reconnected business-wise um, because we were both starting businesses and going through those same thoughts. And I think, you know, sometimes when I'm feeling stuck, I definitely shoot you a text or an email mm -hmm. and, and ask, um, aside from that, like get yourself a coach, right? Like get yourself somebody who's done this before, and invest in yourself, right? Because all the free groups in the world are great. Um, but I think one of the, it, it, like, you'll get something small from all of them, right? Um, and, and I'm not against getting something for free at all. But I think the one thing that a course or a membership can do for you is like put all the pieces together Mm -hmm. Um, and give you somebody who's done this before and can, you can bounce ideas off of, right? So I found, um, Ellen Yin's cubicle to CEO. I listened to her, her podcast for a while, was really into it and decided to join her membership. And it's great because, you know, I can post something in the Facebook group and get advice from my peers. Um, I can, uh, she has group coaching calls twice a month. Um, so I can bring a question and sort of workshop something that I'm struggling with, with her. Um, so, and that has definitely helped. Um, just because, like I said, it pulled the, some of the value in like courses and membership is pulling all the pieces together because mm -hmm. you will get all the pieces for free online. Like online, <laughs> the yep. internet is a huge place, but getting all the pieces together and getting somebody that you can talk to about those pieces is I think invaluable. So don't wait, invest in yourself and get help. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I feel like you've been going through like an evolution. Like we chatted months ago about your offerings and you've been working through developing a program. And I feel like it's really come together in the last few months, especially as you've had that support group and not only in building the program, but how you're making connections with people and adding value through that offer. So I don't think you've had a chance to actually talk about your offer yet on our podcast, but I'd love for you to share a little bit more with me and with the listeners on kind of what you have recently launched. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks. So I recently launched a course. It's called the Stress-Free Dinner System. Name may change in the future. I'm not loving it, but I do feel like it gets the point across, right? Like, let's get to a place where we have stress-free dinners um, with our families because God knows if I go out to eat with my husband, I can have a very stress-free dinner. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, and so I launched this course. Super excited about it. I am I have a 
uh, live founding group that will happen this summer, uh, which means that I'm teaching the course live for the first iteration. Um, so really like you'll get a group coaching experience because it's limited to 10 spots. And, um, and again, we'll be th over three weeks, one hour each week. Um, well, I'll teach the three different modules and then, um, you know, you'll be on your own to implement it, but those three weeks will be really high touch and have a lot of access to me because I'll be asking for feedback and you'll be able to get all of your questions answered, um, which is going to be great. And then in the future, the court, once this first round is over, the course will be, uh, able to be purchased all year round. I dislike sincerely when courses like I get why courses want to build momentum and excitement for an, an enrollment period, but like, I don't ever want moms to feel like this is the course that they want and that they think can help, but they are not within the enrollment period. So mm -hmm. it will be available um, likely in the fall for uh, depending on how, you know, when I schedule the, the founding group um, for, moms to take on their own. It's going to be completely do it yourself. Um, get all of my best tips and tricks about having a stressful, stress free dinner with your picky eater. Um, but yeah, I'm just really excited about it. I'm excited to launch it. I'm excited to launch it live with this first group because I think it's just going to be a great collaboration of moms who all have the same problems and can help each other. Yeah. I love it. Um, so if you were to, if there's moms that are listening that are kind of like interested in this, like what, what would you say is like the biggest or the, I know you talked about like the hopeful outcome, but like, what are the problems that these moms have specifically around picky eating that they can help get resolution on in this course? Um, just for people that are listening and might not be sure if it's right for them. I want to make sure that they don't miss out on this help. Yeah. Um, so I think one major thing is like making multiple meals. So a lot mm -hmm. of moms are in this vicious cycle where they're, they're, you know, them and their husband are eating healthy or them and, you know, one of the kids are eating healthy. And um, then they're making a second meal that's kid food is what I sort of call it. And it's, you know, the chicken fingers, the pizza, the mac and cheese. Yeah. Who has um, time for that? Got it. Right. Exactly. And, um, and so getting to the point where you're making one meal for the whole family is something huge. That's that, huge. Yeah. And, um, and then like, obviously what goes right along with that is getting your picky eater to eat different foods. Um, it definitely does not happen overnight. So don't want anyone to feel that way, but, um, but it, it can happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just like the, the fight, right. Like the battle yes. of like getting away from the, just have one bite, just do this, just do that, eat this, eat that. Um, getting away from that whole scene because too many moms are spending their entire dinner trying to negotiate with their child and it's mm -hmm. never going to work. Yes. Yes. You're actually making me think that I should sign up. I think of Declan as a good, um, eater, but he, we bribe him with like a little bit of dessert every night. So it's like, no, take another bite. You haven't earned it yet. And that drives me nuts. And I talk to my husband about it all the time. Like we can't keep bribing him with this, but right now it's our leverage because, he likes healthy foods, but he now knows that there's alternatives. And so you're getting me to think, cause it is an emotional drain. And that's what I was going to say when you said the fight is yeah. like, I think for moms too, it's like not just the actual tactical 
element of like, what do I cook for them? And what do I put in front of them? But then it's the emotional, like not only the fight with them, but then you feel like you're doing something wrong afterwards, or you think that there's something wrong with your kid and just knowing that you're not alone. And I love how for this first session, it's part of a group, because I think that that's going to be really powerful for people. Um, so we can put that in the show notes then. So right. People are are already able, because you already have a few people that have registered and you only have 10 spots. So we should hurry up if we want. There's eight, eight spots left. (laughs) I should hurry up if I want to sign up and take your course (laughs) to end the fight about desserts. Um, that's awesome. Uh, but one question, is there anything else we missed about your course? Cause I want to ask you a very important question before we wrap up our chat. Um, I'm trying to think, um, Uh, I would say the only thing that we didn't mention was just um, the meal planning aspect. So like the dinner time, I call it the dinner time scramble because your kids get home from school, you're finishing up work, you're stressed. What are we making for dinner? Who's cooking? (laughs) What's happening here, right? Like there's that scramble. And so there's an aspect too of planning and getting rid of that scramble. And believe me, when I hear the word planning, I cringe. This will help you and save you time, not the opposite. I was just going to say, I know you hate planning. And so the fact that Danielle has an element of this means that it's going to work for anybody because if she's making it work and she uses this, then, and that's not a diss against you. I'm just saying personality type. If you're a mom who hates to plan, Danielle's your girl because she's going to have you covered in that area. If you like to plan, then come to me and I'll give you seven to-do lists and seven (laughs) notebooks to write them in. But if you don't like that, then go to Danielle. Um, And that's why we compliment each other because- for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, but okay. You know, the drill, the, the way we like to wrap up every single interview is to ask our guests, um, you know, if they had a better way to share with our listeners who are busy moms trying to do it all, um, what would it be and why? And I don't think I've ever heard you answer that question specifically in your words. So I'd love hmm. to know your thoughts. I think like, I think giving, ourselves more grace is the better way. I think there are days when the house is a disaster, the dinner isn't cooked, the like there's so many things that go wrong and we stress about it as moms and like feel like we have to do everything. And I feel like in order to build a business, like you have to let some things go. And so like finding a better way to me is being okay with a little bit of chaos to get to a better place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's tough, but I think it's necessary. And the more I go along this journey, I realize how necessary it is. It's just that we can resist it for so long. So I really like that answer. And I think, would you say to giving other moms grace as well? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Um, because we forget things and have no clue what's going on. And like, I ask for, I I feel like more than some of my friends, I ask for help and I wish that more moms asked for help. Um, Mm -hmm. I think so many moms like don't try to do everything themselves. And I think asking for help is important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Danielle actually like asked me if I needed help with something last week and I gave her something and she told me that she was proud of me because I gave her something that she could help me with. And I have to tell you, it was like really freeing. And I just had a call with someone who's going to be helping me with an aspect of my business. And I've never, I, I said to her, like, never have I ever 
been in a position of being able to say, you know what, this isn't going to be my to do. This is going to be somebody else's to do as a mom, as an employee, as now a business owner. And it really is amazing how much mental space that frees up. So I really like that you shared that because people think of that in terms of work a lot, but they don't think of it as in terms of being a mom. But even though being a mom is wonderful, it's still a job. And so asking for help is huge. So I, I really like that. Um, okay. So for our listeners, I am going to make sure that we add information on Danielle's course in the show notes. And obviously I think our listeners know by now that they can reach you at shapingyoungtastebuds.com and shaping young taste buds on Instagram, anything else that they should know before we drop. I don't think so. I think, you know, go to those places, check it out. If it resonates with you, follow along. If not, that's okay too. Yeah. And Danielle and I always love connecting with other moms that are going through either similar or different journeys. I know Danielle, you'd love to connect with moms that are going through a transition from corporate to entrepreneurship or with picky eaters too. So definitely don't hesitate to reach out because we love hearing from our community. So thanks Danielle for joining us. This was a thanks lot of for fun. Having me. Um, and we'll catch all of our listeners on the next episode. Thanks for listening to today's episode. For more information from today's chat, including how to reach us, head on over to the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the exciting episodes to come. And please, if you liked what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review. It's how we can help other busy moms find their better way. Until next time, mom friends.